I don't have a date tonight, and Bon Bon Bessie isn't giving any dinner party. Right, Al. <laughs> yeah, the truth is, is that Peggy was hoping that you could come to dinner tonight, and I tried to talk her out of it, but you know how stubborn she could be. Well, how about be. if I get there around six? Is that okay? Perfect. See you at six. Ribbed for her pleasure. <laughs> Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a woman? No Man Presents, live from the Nudie Bar, the Married with Children Podcast. Welcome back to the Married with Children Podcast here in the Australian Chickley Room tonight. And it's an Australian panel in the Australian Jiggly Room. We're reviewing the final episode of a trilogy, Season 11, Episode 16, Breaking Up is Easy to Do, Part 3. Written by Russell Marcus and directed by Jerry Cohen. And originally aired on March 3rd, 1997. My name is Annabelle. And I know exactly why women own so many tweezers. Well, I'm a bit scared, Annabelle, because I think I know why women own so many tweezers. Yeah, uh, <laughs> well, nothing, nothing my fears are tweezers. Uh, my name is Matt. I'm drinking a nice uh, locally, a local Australian beer, donut-flavoured, so to speak. Uh, Alex van Homer Simpson would like that. And... Uh, I've just got home from Brazil from saving the rainforest because I forgot my umbrella. Hey, my name's Steve, and um, hey, I just had a night out with a supermodel. Has anyone got anything to treat paper cuts? <laughs> Not on me, sadly, no. <laughs> well, I'm wondering if Matt got to meet Sting. Uh, did, I didn't, unfortunately. No, uh, I didn't fall down a well and uh, meet Sting. Oh, wrong show, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, this is Married with Children, not The Simpsons. And as I said, we are reviewing Breaking Up is Easy to Do, Part 3. And according to IMDb, Al is having difficulty adjusting to being single. Marcy is more than happy to share with him that Peg is having a dinner party with a millionaire. Al doesn't believe it, so Marcy tells him that what Peg really wants is, is for Al to come to the dinner party. And guest starring in this episode, Alan Thicke as Bruce, Harold Sylvester as Griff, Michael Erperno as Clark, and Lucky as Lucky the Dog. Can't do it. What about the, oh, hang on. What about the girl, the girl that came in with the shoe? <laughs> oh, she was the end of part two. That's right. Oh, was she? See, I'm yeah. lost already. But, it's yeah. <laughs> watched it all at once. No, but she was recapped in the, in the intro. Yeah. That's why. Mm. That's why. Those recaps get you. They do. Mm. Okay, so we, we pick up where we where we left off. But um, Steve, just briefly, your thoughts on on parts one and two? Uh, well, to prepare for the talk this, this evening, I actually did what probably what a lot of people would do and watch all three at once. Mm-hmm. Try and watch as the one show. So I sat down this afternoon and watched the whole thing right through. So uh, as I mentioned already, I, I, already it's all merged together. I can't remember which bit is which, but I've got my notes here in front of me. But um, 
before I watched it, I've seen it a few times now, and it does make me laugh a little bit. I think it's a, um, a storyline they probably had to go down before the series ended at some stage because Alan Pegg have eaten each other's throats on and off right since series one. And we all know that deep down they actually do love each other, but I think it was a good thing to go down because a lot of couples go through this down the track. Um, they just get sick of each other and they try try uh, separating, going their separate ways and realising, no, they are actually with their soulmates. So I think it's a good storyline they, they went down. Um, I quite enjoyed it it's, it's a, a, a tr- as a trilogy. I don't know if they really need to do a trilogy on it, but it seems to, to work okay for me. It's... In series 11, it's probably one of the ones I, prefer, I like, um, but um, I found the whole thing quite interesting. And like I said, I think it was a storyline they had to, they've probably been thinking of doing for some time, um, but worth trying out and seeing how it went. And I think it went okay. Yeah, yeah, well said. Um, the consensus is that some, some people, uh, most of us feel about the same way you do, you do, but some of us amongst the podcast hosts are really not fond of the idea of of the episode. Yeah, I don't think it needed to be a trilogy. I think it could have been a pretty good two-parter. I might ask you this at the end, but do you think this should have ended the show? Um, no. Okay. I think it could have happened. Like, I think the storyline could have happened any, any series at any time. Yeah, and like I say, it's um, I wouldn't have liked to have seen it finish that way. But unless they made a real big hoo-ha at the end of it, not just in the back of the car. But um, no, I think any it could have gone in any any season we've done from series series one right through to season eleven. Um, I don't think I would have liked to have seen the end the series like that though. Mm. No, that's interesting. Now that Alan Pegg have split, are the kids getting a new dad? You hug them hard and don't let go until you got his wallet. Married with children at its new time Monday at nine eight central on Fox. But anyway, for this part, we open. With Al sporting a black eye. Yeah, a rather nasty black eye too. Uh, obviously, following on for the end of season two, where he gets rather badly busted up. I mean, uh, I've never had a black eye, but as previous listeners of the podcast know, I've been badly belched myself just in another area. But uh, Al, Al is always going to be fine after this. Uh, he's not doing too, too well, and he's with Jefferson and Griff. Yes, Griff tells him that he hasn't seen a, seen a shiner that bad since he told his wife that she was starting to look like Al Roker. Oh, and that's why Griff got divorced. <laughs> oh, Al, that's a beaut. I haven't seen a shot of that bad since I told my wife she was starting to look like Al Roker. <laughs> <laughs> well, looks like Marcy was right. She said it was only a matter of time before some woman beat the holy hell out of you. <laughs> I'll have you know I got this black guy last night explaining to a jealous boyfriend how the little lady would rather stay with me. Well, where is she? I, I sent her out shopping for a new waterbed. This one has a leak, and I worry so when she bounces. So Al Roker, I mean, I don't think he's been mentioned. He must have been mentioned on the show before. I don't surely. think he has. Well, I haven't ha- heard the name on the show, no. If he has, it was a very long time ago in an early season. Okay, well, for those who don't know, Al Roker was born in 1954, and he's an American weather forecaster, journalist and television personality, actor and author. And he's probably best known as the, as the weather anchor on NBC's Today which I think he still is. And Roker also serves as the co-host on Third Hour Today, although the latter not officially announced by NBC News. And Al Roker struggled with his weight for many years, and in 2002 he underwent 
guy uh, ga- underwent gastric bypass surgery to lose weight, uh, which he did. Um, so he used to be a fairly sizable chap, and now he's 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 quite uh, slim. So eight months after the surgery, the New York Daily News reported he had dropped a hundred pounds hmm. from his three hundred and twenty pound frame. Impressive. Very impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Good on him, I say. Uh, but yes, can't say I've heard of him, but um, I'm sure if it was American. I would have. Uh... Well, if you if you if you're awake, you know, three or four on the morning over here, you can get you, you get to see the American news with NBC's Today Show. I, so I have seen him on that. But... I don't watch. I don't even watch Channel 9's Today Show or Seven Sunrise. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. <laughs> no, I don't either. Uh, side note, I went to watch the project tonight. They told me Ozzy Osbourne was on it, but because the Queen has passed away, it's just non-stop QE2. So uh, <laughs> you just can't escape at the moment. Can't I know we've got, we've got this for the next two weeks, but wow. Because the funeral's on the 19th and the public holidays are 22nd, so probably after that it will probably um, subside. Well, turn on there now and have a look at the live six-hour coverage of a driving down to uh, Edinburgh. It's just cars. Yeah. That's what you're following on a helicopter. Yeah. Fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know people are going watching it. But yeah, it's very pretty. But <laughs> Sorry, Matt, I cut you off. Well, Al ends up kicking Jefferson out of the apartment and he confesses to Griff that there's an odour in the waterbed that scares even him. So you just tell Marcy that I'm doing just fine with the ladies. That Al Bundy is not only moving in the fast lane, he's doing wheelies in it, baby! <laughs> <laughs> is that true, Al? About the girl? Every word of it. Except the guy's name is Sasquatch. The girl left with him, and there's an odor coming from that water. Bed scares even me. Oh. Ew. <laughs> he said that the, the girl's boyfriend's name was Sasquatch. So that's another reference to Bigfoot that we had, well, four seasons ago, but still. Yes, um, the guy's name was Sasquatch, the girl left with him, and there's that disgusting odour from the waterbed. That must be really bad if it freaks Al out. Yeah, if you can smell it over his feet. But then Al's got this speech about the single gene, and married men can never go back to being single. I don't know if that's true, (laughs) I'm not a married man. You are well, I'm a married man. (laughs) So, um, I tend to agree with that. I think, um... I think if you went single again or tried to go single if you've been with the same person for a number of years like I have. I'm about to go to my 30th wedding anniversary in a couple of months. Um, it'd be very hard to try again, I think. Yeah, it would, I think, yeah. Hmm. Well, happy anniversary. Oh, thank you. It's happy anniversary for later this year. Made it. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> but if your wife owns several pairs of tweezers, you might start to... Be suspicious. Well, d- don't laugh. Actually, my wife has got a uh, a tumbler full of tweezers in the bathroom. Now, I know one's for the eyebrows. I know one's for picking splinters out. So I know what the third one's for now. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Are you worried? <laughs> um, no, but now at least I know. What, at least I know why I'm like I am. <laughs> <laughs> the secret's out. Yes, a single gene. Yes. Uh... <laughs> Men are apparently helpless without it. They just wander around, smelling of rogue grain, that miracle hair growth stuff, and gin until finally they fall off their toilets and die. Married men can never go back to being single. See, there's this gene. It's called the single gene. It's in us when we're born. But as soon as we marry, it mysteriously disappears. Nobody knows why, but I suspect it's removed 
chromosome by chromosome by our wives. <laughs> and how would they go about this? Do we really know why they own so many tweezers? <laughs> so now, if they don't like us being single, why do they keep kicking us out of the house? That's part of their cruel tricks. See, without the single gene, we're helpless. We just wander around smelling of Rogaine and gin. <laughs> Until finally we fall off our toilets and die. We don't, do we have Rogaine here? As far as I know, no. Uh, Rogaine, or generally known as Minoxidil, or parodied on The Simpsons in season two, episode two of that show as Demoxinil. Dear God, give a bald guy a break. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> I have hair. I have hair. Look. Good morning, Springfield. Demoxinil. <laughs> hey, you got rid of the sideburn. <laughs> Give me the usual. It's a medication used for the treatment of male pattern hair loss. Famously referred to previously in Season 3, Episode 7, The Bald and the Beautiful. Yeah, shout out to the rest of our B.A.D. Yes. C's in, in the podcast crew. Yep. The bald male guys, yeah. The bald American dudes. So Al goes grocery shopping. Well, hey, he's got to eat. But he could have eaten, he could have grocery shopped at any time in the last 11 years. <laughs> <laughs> but now he has to because, yeah, he's, he is alone. There's no Peggy to steal his money, so maybe he can actually afford to go grocery shopping. That's it, yeah. Well, we actually see him pushing a trolley again after the, the supermarket thing a few few seasons back. Oh, yeah. Yeah, all the way back in season five. The card of death. Oh, yes. So, yeah, he runs into Marcy there. Uh, one thing I liked, I, I was taken by was um, I was looking at all the prices behind Al. <laughs> yeah, so was I. <laughs> and I saw lettuce for 69 cents. That's the one that jumped out at me. Yeah, and for our, our American friends, we've had a big lettuce shortage, haven't we? We've had a lettuce drought, and lettuces have gone up over $10 Australian down here at some stage. They're starting to get back to normal now. So I was just curious to see a lettuce for $0.69. Cents. And funnily enough, I checked today, Matt, and I checked what the, 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 the exchange rate is, and an Australian dollar is actually just short of $0.69 US cents at the moment. No way! Yeah. <laughs> so that lettuce is worth a dollar. Ah, uh, yes, before the whole lettuce shortage, to the point where even if you went to a fast food outlet here, you just got basically got um, sometimes just less lettuce. Some, like KFC would put cabbage in the burgers. Cabbage on the burgers, yeah. Yeah, lettuce. Hungry Jacks would just give you extra onions, I think. It's starting to fix itself up now. But yeah, I was looking at some of those prices there and just... Uh, yeah, I couldn't quite work out, but I always like looking at prices and things on shelves to see. I saw Pringles behind Marcy. Yeah, I saw those as Pringles well. Pringles were exactly the same. <laughs> There's a few other things as well. So it's always good to look at those things way back in the day and still if they're still around, see if they're still around. Yeah, I think behind Al it says avocados are $1.50. Yeah, I saw that. That's a bit... That's, a bit, that's what they are now. Well, to be, to be fair... um. They are in Chicago, and that isn't exactly avocado country, so avocados in Chicago would probably come from somewhere like California or Florida. Yeah, yeah. I mean, California grows a lot of America's fruit and veg anyway, and so does Florida, and... But yeah, you would not get a sort of thing grown in Illinois. Illinois mainly grows corn. Mm. And other things, I'm sure. Yeah, well, we do get... I'm pretty sure you know, we do get... I don't know what it's like on the West Coast, um, Matt, but on the East Coast, in... um off-season, we get a lot of stuff from California in the off-season. Like we'll get cherries and oranges and mandarins and stuff like that when they're out of season in Australia. We usually get them sent over from the US. 
Yeah, I've seen a fair bit, fair, fair bit of that here in Perth. Uh, yeah. I've seen, like, um, for oranges in Florida or and the like. Yeah. Well, this is the kind of supermarket that sells wine. Well, to be fair, I mean, uh, not, obviously Australian law forbids that, but it's actually pretty common in, say, the US and UK for supermarkets to sell alcohol. Yeah, same. I used to enjoy going out of Tesco's or Sainsbury's and buying a bottle of wine. Yes. Yeah. Same, same time as you getting your dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I associate that more being a, a UK thing. Because obviously, well, in Australia, they just have it next door to the supermarket. Yeah, unless you're at Aldi. It's in the Aldi. Yeah, not all Aldi's, but yeah, normally it's next door to the supermarket here. Mm, that's right. And do they have the condoms just right on the end of the aisle like that? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Ribbed for her pleasure. They're never happy. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, Marcy did say that um, Al should be swinging from trees, and then Al hits back with saying, Oh, hmm, you're very close to the fryer section. Oh, looky here. You know, I would have thought grocery shopping for you would involve swinging from trees. <laughs> you know, I'd love to stand here and chat with you, Mars, but I think standing this close to the fryer section would make you a little nervous. <laughs> so I guess I'll just mosey along. I was going to talk to you about Peggy, but I guess you wouldn't really be interested anymore. Peg? Is Peg here? No. She's getting her hair done for a little dinner party that she's throwing tonight. Oh, Peg is throwing a dinner party. Mm-hmm, that's right. She has a date with a wealthy, gorgeous man. Hmm. That make her a little nervous. But, um, while they're, while they're talking to each other in the supermarket, what's, um, Marcy's got some news about Peggy? Yes. The whole point of the scene. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, uh, Marcy has to let Al know that Peggy is seeing a wealthy, gorgeous guy and is having a dinner party. A dinner party? Yeah, Bon Bon Betsy is giving a dinner party. Well, Al, have fun with your supermodel. Try not to get any paper cuts. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, bullet head. We both know what's going on here. I don't have a date tonight and Bon Bon Betsy isn't giving any dinner party. Right, Al. Yeah, the truth is, is that Peggy was hoping that you could come to dinner tonight, and I tried to talk her out of it, but you know how stubborn she can be. Well, how about if I get there around six? Is that okay? Perfect. See you at six. Ribbed for her pleasure. (laughs) Hey, Bum Bum Bessie, that's a new one. Actually, I was going to introduce myself as Bonbon Betsy, and I completely forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Funny enough, I'm actually having some bonbons right now. Ooh. Uh, probably not ones Peg had. They're my favourite of boiled sweet, bo- uh, Fox's Glacier Fruit. So not quite bonbons, but close enough. So yeah, Al, Al, Marcy sneakily gets Al. Well, not sneakily, but craftily gets Al to turn up to the house later. And then wishes him fun with his supermodel and says, don't get any paper cuts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Luigi's written here that Alex, he knows that Alex would love that joke because there's a joke in season seven that was directed at Bud by Kelly referring to getting injured by the staples. If you remember back, <laughs> yep. it doesn't get any better than this. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Al decides to make up a story that he's with a supermodel and asks for more condoms. There's some out back next to the reality pills. Everyone knows Al's lying. And uh, you know, Marcy decides to extend the invite to Al for the dinner party, and uh, he'll be coming along at 6pm. That's right. Yeah, so before that, we cut back to the Bundy house. Peggy cannot cook. No. No. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Peg confused the oven with the dishwasher. 
Who who taught how to cook? Bob Rooney? (laughs) 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 That's something he would do. We reviewed the Christmas episode earlier this season. And in the Christmas episode, she didn't know which one was the oven there. And then baked an entire neighborhood out of gingerbread. So she either learnt which one was the oven and then forgot or uh, probably chalk it up to... Writers being silly. <laughs> she often she often looks at the oven and says things about it. Yeah, the big hot like, thing. The big hot thing. Um, have they got a microwave? Yes. <laughs> it's 1997. They'd have a microwave. Yeah, they'd have a microwave. Well, the the second episode this season, Children of the Corn, they they found <laughs> what they thought was a meatball in the freezer and put oh, it in the microwave because right. they actually got it given a microwave. That's right. <laughs> Pop, pop. That's a shame, too, because that's a mean-looking couple of steaks she's got there as well. They look really nice if they're actually cooked. I know. It's like, this is this this is sacrilege. Come on, Peggy. Uh, I mean, surely I mean, surely Kelly or Bud could help you cook them. Well, they do offer. They do, but it's promptly rejected. Hey, this isn't even warm. <laughs> well, we'll help you out, Mom. Yeah. I mean, after all, we want to make a good impression on Stepdaddy. Right. Which you are... Since you are currently in Brazil, saving the rainforest. We are? I hope we meet Sting. (laughs) Mom, why do you want us to meet this guy? Same reason you never wanted to bring your dates home to meet me. Yes, they want to make a good impression on Stepdaddy. (laughs) Peg Peg shoes him off to, well, (laughs) shoes him off to Brazil to save the rainforest. And Kelly wonders if they're going to meet Sting. Yeah, she's rather excited. And being her usual Kelly self, uh, yes, <laughs> she naturally thinks they're going to Brazil. Hmm. Oh, before before I read who Sting is, I just want to say quickly. So I have actually got a friend from Brazil, and she recently got her permanent permanent residency here in Australia. Oh, good. Yeah, so I'll be celebrating that later this month uh, here in Australia. So congratulations to my friend Nath on permanent residency. And uh, yes, anyway, about Sting or should or full name Gordon Matthew. Tomnus Sumner, born on the 2nd of October 1951. He's an English musician and actor. He was the principal songwriter, lead singer, and bassist for the new wave rock band The Police between 1977 and 1984, and then launched a solo career in 1985. He's included elements of rock, jazz, reggae, classical, new age, and world beat in his music, together with his wife, Trudy Styler, and Ryoni Metukaya, a Kayopo Indian leader in Brazil, Sting founded the Rainforest Foundation Fund to help save the rainforest and protect indigenous people there. In 1989, he flew to the Altamira Gathering to offer support while promoting his charity. His support continues and it includes an annual benefit concert at Carnegie Hall, which has featured, amongst many others, Billy Joel, Elton John and James Taylor. Are there a few Sting fans? I don't, I, I'm more of a police fan than a Sting fan, but I do like some of his songs. And as mentioned earlier, I do like his guest appearance in The Simpsons back in season three in Radio Bart, where Bart, of course, falls down the well after making a joke about Timmy O'Toole falling down the well. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, I like police stuff. I didn't really get into much of his um, solo stuff, but um, I've got a couple. Have you, have you watched uh, Quadrophenia? The movie. No, I can't say I have, no. Uh, he's in that. He's the uh, ace face in that. That's, the, uh, of course, the movie that, of the Who album, with the mods and the rockers and all that sort of stuff, and he's the ace face of the mods, and he's pretty good in it. I think it's his first acting role, and he's actually quite good in it. 
He was in Dune too, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Yeah, yeah the original one. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I can't say I'm a huge Sting fan. I mean, he is the butt of a lot of jokes but, uh, sometimes, but I like The Police more than yeah, Sting as a solo artist. But a couple of his songs I do like. Yes, I mean, obviously, um, there's a, one song of The Police that um, is guaranteed to get people drunk if you use it as a drinking game. Which one? Roxanne. If you take a drink when you, every time uh, you hear Roxanne at red lights, you'll be dead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not a fan of that song. However, I do like the version that's in Moulin Rouge, sung by the narcoleptic Argentinian, where they do the tango. That's cool. Nice. Anyway, so yeah, Peg gets them to leave, or she'll send them. To, she'll send Bud and Kelly to live with their father. Oh, and then notice the actual cartoon sound effect from the Roadrunner when they leave the house. Either you get out of here, or I'm going to send you to live with your father. <laughs> <laughs> they just don't even. They're not even pretending anymore. It's a literal cartoon, just filmed and live action on videotape now. It's literally a cartoon, yes. That bit was with the smoke and all that going everywhere, definitely was. Yes. <laughs> also cartoonish, Peg's version of a potato salad. Oh, yuck! <coughs> I can assure you, too, that if you're ever over my house for dinner, I'll do a much better job than Peggy. Those steaks still aren't cooked. At least you'd cut the potatoes. You wouldn't, you'd cut the potatoes more than just in half, surely. Oh! <laughs> and, um... Oh, there was, a, there was a lot of iron in the meal as well, wasn't there? Yeah. <laughs> and notice how everyone else at the table is being really nice and polite about it. Would anyone like some more potato salad? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you're all enjoying your meal. Mm. Mm. I'm enjoying this bite for half an hour. <laughs> what is this... Um... Delightful, crunchy coating. Oh. Well, that's rust from the pan. <laughs> you know, iron is really good for you. I hope you saved room for dessert. <laughs> oh, God, I wonder what dessert's going to be. Flemme brulee. Yeah, I mean... Jefferson does give uh, some potato to Lucky, and this is probably the most we've seen out of Lucky all season. But it was very cute the way he sort of tried the food and then nudged it away. But uh, have you ever been in that situation where you've been uh, in a meal and it's been absolute crap, but you've sort of hit, I have. hit your feelings? I have, not to this extent, but um, yeah, I've had the what Bruce is experiencing, the trying to finish a mouthful, and it just... It just chewed and chewed and chewed and chewed and chewed. And finally, when, when people's backs were turned, I just had to spit it out. Was that at a friend's house? I've had similar before at my um, uncle's house in Wales. Uh, not, I mean, um, cause, well, to be fair, my auntie can make a decent Christmas dinner, but uh, yeah, some of the food over there, like the local pizza, for example, wasn't the best. Um, I remember I actually, it was so bad, I ended up uh, coming back up again. Mm. Oh. And that's not, not like a bigger pizza, trust me. No, it must have been bad. Yes. What was for dessert? Flem brulee. Oh. oh, what a good visual. No. Yeah, so I'm going to happily read about creme brulee. Before I do, there's a funny... So this was, this was actually served creme brulee as a dessert at my cousin's wedding uh, about... Uh, eight, it was nine years ago this January coming. Uh, my uncle, my mum's brother, he's all, oh, what's this muck? He didn't know what it was, and he was almost 50 at the time. 
To be fair, he's got the taste buds of, like, say, Ted Bullpit. <laughs> I'm quite partial to cream brulee. I don't mind it at all. I do too, but he had no idea mm. what it was at the age of almost 50. I-, I like it. I actually had one yesterday because we went to the show and there was some French tarts. You know, things made properly by a proper French chef. <sighs> so we got a, I got a creme brulee, and yeah, it was it was pretty dang good. Nice, nice. So it sounds like the show was good this year over over, over in Adelaide. Uh, it's okay. We did get rained on. It was pissing down, and I, I almost froze to death. But it was good. It was decent. Yeah, the entertainment was good. Worth to hike to Wayville. Nice. Yeah, but tell us all about creme brulee. Anyway, creme brulee, also known as bird's cream. Trinity cream, or crema catalana, is a dessert consisting of a rich custard base topped with a texturally con- contrasting layer of hardened caramelized sugar. It is normally served slightly chilled. The heat from the caramelizing process tends to warm the custard, producing a cool center. The custard base is traditionally flavored with vanilla in French cuisine, or with cinnamon and lemon in Catalan cuisine but can have a variety of other flavourings. It is sometimes garnished with fruit. I've never had the Catalan version, which would be obviously served in Catalonia in Spain and bordering bits of France. I've only had the French version myself. Same here. Yep, the one done with the gas gas burner on the top. Yep. <laughs> yep. But yes, no, fem- no flem bure for me. No, thank you. Ew, ew. But just after this, we finally learn what Alan Thicke's character's name is. It's Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> And Marcy wants Jefferson to suck up to him. Because it could mean a job at one of his car dealerships. <laughs> Have you heard about the new Korean car? It's got a Sun Myung Moon roof. Yeah, Sun Myung Moon was previously mentioned in Season 10, Episode 4, Reverend Al. Uh, I imagine this would be different to my Korean car parked outside. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, in Reverend Al... Marcy referred to Reverend Half Moon Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> but Sun Myung Moon was a Korean religious leader, also known for his business ventures and support for conservative polit- political causes. A Messiah claimant, he was the founder of the unification movement and of its widely noticed no, and its widely noted blessing or mass wedding ceremonies and the author of its unique theology, The Divine Principle. He died in 2012. So Bruce sells Korean cars. Yes, or at least Korean cars, considering it's implied he owns multiple car dealerships, assuming they're all the same manufacturer. He could be like John Hughes here in Perth, who owns multiple makes of car dealership. At John Hughes in Victoria Park, we have a huge selection of new vehicles, including VW, Mitsubishi, Jeep, Kia, Ford, MG, LDV and Hyundai and more than 2,000 pre-owned vehicles all in the one location. You'll be helped by non-pushy professional salespeople plus you'll get an excellent deal backed up by first class after sales service. Buy your next car from WA's most trusted car dealer, John Hughes, now over 50 years in Victoria Park. Yeah, yeah, he probably does. I mean, he's supposed to be rich but in a little bit he talks about a Yugo sale, like a Yugo Palooza sale. And if a Yugo was a subcompact car hatchback formerly manufactured by Zastava Automobiles at a, at a Yugoslav corporation, and the Yugo was marketed in the US from 85 to 92 with a total of 141,651 sold, peaking at about 48,000 in 1987 and then falling to just over 1,400 in 1992. 
and the car has been subjected to so much criticism over its design and real and reliability the historian jason volk had called it the worst car in history but so if bruce was a yugo salesman that doesn't make him a whole lot better than al bundy Ah, <laughs> uh, yes you grow palooza so it sounds like he does um do deal with multiple brands of cars uh, i will say um this whole the the Hugo reference does remind me of, of a reference of the episode of The Simpsons made from 1992, I think. Uh, I think it's 92 or 93, I can't remember exactly, where Homer needs another... Yeah, it's 92, Mr. Plough episode, where Homer needs another car, and he, he chest drives the one from Zagreb Motors. Reminds me of that, I think. Might be a reference... That may have been a reference to Hugo. Quite possibly. Well, Zagreb is in Croatia, which was part of the former Yugoslavia, so probably was. Yes. But an edge! But an edge. She'll go 300 hectares on a single tank of kerosene. What country is this car from? It no longer exists, but take her for a test drive, and you'll agree. Zagreb Ebnem Zlotikdiev. Put it in H! But Peg's meal is so bad, Bruce starts choking. Why, Jefferson, Jefferson's in the rescue? Yes. And to his credit, he does, uh, <laughs> he does rescue him. Yep. He pulls out of the Heimlich manoeuvre. If that's what you want to call it. Yeah, as well. That's not how it ended up, but that's how it started. Yeah. <laughs> Heimlich manoeuvre because now a new form of, of our foreplay. <laughs> <laughs> Jefferson must really want a job. Yeah, does he now? Yes. And so he's obviously no longer reversed to work. It was just so funny how that just started normal and all of a sudden you saw the two ladies staring at him straight away. You tweaked what was going on. <laughs> yes. To be fair, Marcy is even Marcy's tempted to ditch Jefferson for Bruce here. <laughs> <laughs> when Peg goes to answer the the door, there's a shot of Jefferson smoking a cigar. You know that that postcoital smoke, and uh, I, I never, th- I always thought it never got the appreciation from the li- from the studio audience it, it deserved. No, exactly right, and the same thing because it, the, the faces he pulled when they finished, was, <laughs> um, <laughs> he made it quite obvious what he was trying to simulate. Yeah. Um, Alan Thicke's facials during that moment were pretty epic as well. Yes! Especially that last one. <laughs> uh, that's I'm, I'm laughing because that's the image I have frozen on my screen. <laughs> <laughs> of course you do. I have to go and have another look now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll say. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I mean, if the sales go well... Peggy and Bruce will be going to Paris, not just fancy fresh French restaurants. Yes, and she has not made love in the Eiffel Tower, but she has French to go in the Sears Tower. You know, if you didn't like it, you could have just spit it up into your napkin. <laughs> oh, no, 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 that was wonderful. It's just that I hate to see you slaving away in the kitchen. From now on, we eat out. Ooh, can we go to one of those fancy French places? Oh, my darling, if this year-end Palooza sale goes as well as I expect, I'll be taking you to dine in Paris. Oh. <laughs> Never made love in the Eiffel Tower? Uh, well, no, but once I Frenched a guy in the Sears Tower... Of course she has. That'd be Al, though, wouldn't it? I mean, when was the yeah. Sears Tower built? No, uh, 19, 1973, I'm pretty sure. It was the early 70s. So it had to be Al. Yeah. Be Al. Sears Tower was opened in May of 73. Okay. Yeah, I always thought she was referring to Al, just didn't mention his name. Right. Well, considering they're separated, um, maybe she didn't want to. Exactly. But who's at the door? 
It's Al with flowers. Flowers, yep. <laughs> <laughs> What are you doing here? I invited him. <laughs> Al, I'd like you to meet Peggy's new boyfriend. Bruce. <laughs> Look, Jefferson, we have our Christmas card. But Marcy's got her Christmas card sorted. Well, f- funny thing you should mention it, Annabelle, because I've got my Christmas card sorted too. I know. I can't wait to see it. Well, you'll be getting in the post come December, where the same month I'll be in your town. <laughs> Just bring it with you. <laughs> so, yeah, Al's come bearing gifts. It's unfortunate, sort of unfortunate, that he didn't believe Marcy, but why would he? Yeah, why would he? That Peg really does have a boyfriend. And, he, and then he awkwardly says he's there, just there to see Lucky, and then claims that the bonbons for Peggy are for Lucky. Bonbon biscuits. <laughs> this was a sad moment, honestly. When I mean, it's sad anyway with the situation, but when Al says, didn't Lucky used to be bigger? And Jefferson actually references Buck. Says that was Buck. I was like, oh, it's so nice to get a Buck reference. Yeah. And if Lucky spoke at all this season, he'd probably say something to the effect of, "I am Buck." Lucky did late season ten, but Lucky doesn't speak at all in this in this season. So that somehow made it sadder. Uh, Luigi's as well. He he is written that it actually brought a tear to his eye. Yeah. Mine too. I wish I could be so self-centered that it didn't bother me. (laughs) (laughs) Self-centered was the word that I was trying to think of as soon as that bloke came on the screen and then he actually says it himself. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's playing it well, isn't he? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, trust Al to be so distraught that he can't even remember um, his own dog. Mm. But it's a bit different how Al comes in because in the the old days, probably in previous episodes, if Al knew his wife was playing around, he would have stormed through the door and smacked the guy in the face straight away. So this is a very passive Al who walked through the door this time round, which is a bit unusual. Yeah, I think that's what adds to the overall sad effect to everything. It's just Al's not Al. Nah. Yeah, he's not himself at all. It's giving him the willy squidgets. <laughs> but he does give Marcy a present. Oh, he does. He does. And you see um, Marcy, uh, after um, well, Al takes her outside, she comes back in flowers in her mouth. The only reason I accepted Marcy's invitation was an excuse to... See my dog? Hey there, fella. How you doing there? Hey, I brought you some uh, bonbon biscuits here. Uh, You can't imagine how I miss this guy. (laughs) Didn't he used to be bigger? That was Buck. Well, uh, goodbye, all. Gotta be going. Frankly, coming back to this house to give me the willy squidgets. Oh, well, let me show you out. This is the happiest day of my life. Yeah, no problem. Well, that went well. Here's some flowers for you. So now we're back. Well, we're still in the Bundy living room, but it's sometime later. And Bud and Kelly look very nice. I know. They look like they're going um, off to Dime the Elite or something, or off the, the establishment. They look like they're heading off to Burnside or something for dinner at Annabelle. <laughs> <laughs> or the church. They look oddly familiar, don't you think? Yeah! 
I've seen that out, those sort of outfits somewhere before. Yep. Um, calling back to Bundy for life, of course. Yeah. Yes, very very different, similar vein. Not not obviously not the same colours and whatnot, but very similar vein to that. When um yeah, obviously where Ted McGinley is the head of the family in that dream sequence. Yeah, because uh, that and you know this scene is about the only times you see Kelly with her hair differently i mean she, her hair is always down except for when she's dressing up as something like this so it's like this and also the nun episode earlier this season and like you say in the in the alternate universe <laughs> kelly jablonski she's got her hair up all other times her hair is down and there's nothing in her hair yes yes so uh you made the extra effort to um both of them to look, make look really sharp both of them yes yeah, so i do like the string of pearls <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> And uh, well, before Bruce comes over, Bud lect- and Charles ke- tells Kelly, "Make sure you play hard to get," which is a foreign concept to Kelly. Oh, I can't believe we finally get to meet Stepdaddy. <laughs> now, remember, he's going to be trying to buy our affection. So to really rake it in, I suggest we play hard to get. Play what? <laughs> hard to get. Uh, It's like when you have a date and you decide to wear a bra. All right. Okay. Yes. Bruce will be here any minute. Now remember, put your best foot forward. Play what? Uh, come on. Uh, it's like dating with a bra. I've heard. Oh. (laughs) Right. I got it. Not to mention, well, as soon as Bruce walks in, she epically fails at this task. Well, does she? Because she said that's not playing hard to get, and she says that it is for me. So, if Bud didn't tell her that, what would she have done? Pushed, knocked him over, and ha- hugged him until um he, he stopped breathing. But they have to remember to put their best foot forward. Yes, the best foot forward. Even though they look exactly the same. <laughs> yes. You notice Bud greets him as Mr. Wright. Mmm, yes. Mm. So it's a bit on the nose, but he's Mr. Wright. Ah, yes. So it is actually W-R-I-G-H-T is his character name. Yes. It's the play on the word. Yeah, I thought that. Yeah, be only the best for Peggy. Uh, But Bruce doesn't turn out to be exactly what Peggy, Kelly and Bud thought he would be. No, first of all, Peg is looking very dapper herself. Mmm. She looks sensational. (laughs) Yeah. Actually, uh, 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 there's been a few comments this season of how hot Peg looks in general. Mm. But uh, the last episode we did, the Stepford Peg, um, when she was dressed more 50s-ish and then had the the smart black cocktail dress on, Mm. um, she looked really good. And then now she's wearing uh, a similar-ish outfit, something nice, tasteful, and yeah, she looks sensational. Yes, she does. Uh, possibly after her absence of most of season 10, maybe Katie Seagal and or the crew wanted Peggy to look extra nice this season. Well, possibly, and this is uh, pretty soon after Baby as well. So This is true. She's like, yep, go for it. <laughs> yes, well, Bruce, he's got, he's got a suggestion that shocks Kelly and Bud. He suggests that they leave this split-level porter potty and that they grow up, you know, get jobs, stop living at home. <laughs> Gasp. Take responsibility for their own lives. Oh, no! You ought to know that Kelly and I are extremely protective of our our dear mother, Mm -hmm. and we want only the best for her. Oh, me too. And that's why I've been thinking that maybe you two should be leaving this split-level (laughs) port-a-potty and taking responsibility for your own lives. (laughs) 
He's a wicked stepdaddy. <laughs> Kelly, hug him hard and don't let go until you got his wallet. <laughs> He's a wicked stepdaddy. Oh, they don't, they don't like him. <laughs> Every time you start to say stepdaddy, I'm thinking sock daddy. I, I can't help it. <laughs> sock daddy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. That's all I'm going to think of. <laughs> Uh, every time they say step daddy, I'll keep thinking sock daddy. Yeah, sock daddy, another season seven reference. Yes, nice cool. Yeah, nice reference to there. Uh, well, Kelly decides to start going fishing for Bruce's wallet, and uh, well, she does spill to the kids that she openly likes Bruce for his money, and so she can be leisurely. Hmm. Hang on a second. Any more leisurely? She'd be unconscious. Well, but Bruce has got some bad news for Peggy as well. Well, first Bart and Kelly try to convince her to, to dump him because he's a bad man. Mm-hmm. You have to dump him. Yeah, he's a bad man. He's a, he's a very bad man. <laughs> he doesn't like us. Yeah, well, most people don't. <laughs> have you ever thought that it might be you? <laughs> Mom, he's trying to take you away from us. I know that. And don't you try to stop him. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> We didn't want to have to tell you this, but he's a woman. <laughs> and and he, he touched me. First to say he, he's a woman, <laughs> and Bud says he touched me. I do like it when Bud and Kelly gang up together, and it's part of that Bundy unity. Um, yeah, and and then and then when Peggy starts to get sentimental about Adele's animal magnetism. His animal scent. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, she she's looking forward to being a lady of leisure, even though she already is. Yes, very much so. Uh, <laughs> but Bruce, however, suggests that Peggy learn how to cook and clean. Ooh, he is a wicked stepdaddy. Mm. And oh, and oh, here comes the big one. Dissing the Bundy house. Yeah, generally speaking, Bruce, it's not nice to diss other people's houses. No, but then the clincher is when he calls Peggy old. Oh, oh! momento, por favor. I get it now. He's just using mom to get his green card. <laughs> Should you do me the honor of becoming Mrs. Wright, I'm sure you'll want to learn how to cook and clean. Why can't I have a maid? You're rich. And I plan to stay that way. <laughs> I certainly don't want to end up like this. What about eating out all around the world? We can do that while we're courting. But as we say in the car business, you don't have to kiss ass once you close the deal. And just what makes you think that I want to close the deal? I just assume that. I mean, a top-of-the-line model like myself doesn't stay long on the showroom floor. And although you are... Very attractive. We can't turn your odometer back. He's so conceited and self-centered. Exactly right. Is that although although you're very attractive, we we can't turn your odometer back. And he, and he calls himself a top of the line model, basically comparing himself to an LTD or Caprice, and calling Peggy some clapped out Belmont or Falcon. <laughs> Kingswood. <laughs> well, but, and actually, Steve, Bel until 1974, Belmont was the entry level Holden. Then it Kingswood, was. Then it was Premier. Yep. That's right. But yeah, uh, I think this, I think that Caprice slash LTD is getting rather rusty, Bruce. 
So now he's turned three Bundys against him. Every Bundy in the house. Mm-hmm. Every Bundy presence in that house. And what's Bud going to do about it? Well, actually, firstly, Kelly does something first. <laughs> Kelly stomps in his foot. Bang! Oh, Bud, he gets his inner owl on. He literally, oh, punches him, slams him into the front door. Believe me, there's a few people I'd do that too. But nobody talks to my mother like that. Well, yeah, what are you going to do about it, Junior? Kelly? <laughs> I did like this because this is exactly what Al would do. He would, he would toss this guy into the door and out of the house. Exactly. I mean, uh, well, I mean, the main person I'd do that to is the guy who belted me almost ten years ago. Yes. And it's funny the kids do that, because in part one of this, this episode, you see Kelly inherit some of her traits of her father and um, when she's doing that, that fight. And it's the same when, uh, when uh, Bud does. That's what you think about straight away. He's going to ram this guy's head in the door, just like his dad. So Bruce is history. He's out of there. He's out of there. Well, normally this, this would call for a whoa, Bundy, but because Al's not there, it's a no, Bundy. Aww. And then, yeah, since so it's when Peggy has to b- break down and admit that she misses Al. And you know what Dad would do if he was here right now? He'd lead us in a whoa, Bundy. Yeah, but he's not here, so it's a no, Bundy. Aww. What are you saying, Mom? You miss Dad? More than words can say. We get a nice montage of um, previous Al and Peggy clips. I really like this bit of the episode because it brings back a lot of good memories. Of when I first watched them, of when I watched them in, the, in later years, uh, just the episodes themselves. Yeah, I mean, we can play the, the montage music, but if you're wondering which clips are from which episode, I'll run through them super quick. So in order, it goes, Do you think I'm sexy? Oh, what a feeling. Kelly's got to have it. Proud to be your bud. I who have nothing. Do you think I'm sexy? A babe in Toyland. Wedding show. Just married with children. A babe in Toyland. An alpha entry, kids, what are you going to do? Hot off the grill and Chicago wine party. And this is interesting because there are two clips in there, but we haven't even seen yet. If you're watching this show in order, you know, on DVD, for example, or as I said, on television, there are two clips from A Babe in Toyland, which was filmed just before this trilogy. So the 15th episode of the season. And this trilogy is episode 16, 17, 18. But it, it will air in two weeks' time. So, again, season 11, as I've mentioned before, is a big jumbled mess in terms of production. Got that right. And the production order. So there's two clips we haven't even seen yet. So if you're watching this in order and go, I don't remember that scene at all, that's fine. You're justified because we haven't actually seen it yet. It just happened to have been filmed already but there's a nice selection of clips here um there's nothing from season one there's nothing from season nine or season 10 or season three so the earliest clip that goes back is just married with children when al's sitting in the in the chair the electric chair yes on a how do i love thee yeah so they could have used a few more of the first half of the show clips you know seasons one to six or one to five to really give it i think that would have given it a little bit more depth i mean i like the montage and that's some original music going on there 
from the show's composer, but they I think they could have done even more with it. But maybe it's just me and loving Alan Pegg as I do. Yeah, some earlier clips would have been nice, especially season three, four, two, even the one from one. Yeah, something from season one would be good. I don't know what. There's only 13 episodes. There's plenty there. So after that nice the montage ends back in Al's apartment. And Al isn't looking too, too good. Right with the, with the planes and everything. He's a bit resigned to the fact that the planes are coming in. There's a knock on the door. He thinks it's the landlord. Technically, the rent's not due after the 15th of, Hey, it's Peg! I will say, uh, beer is not mouthwash, Al. <laughs> it's not? Yeah! <laughs> I told you! <laughs> Technically, my rent is not due until after the 15th of the... Hi, Peg. Well, hi, Al. Can I come in? In here? Oh, uh, yeah. Just a minute, Peg. Excuse me. Come in. Sorry, the uh, place is a little bit of a mess here, but uh, well, uh, I I live here. And deodorant, deodorant on the, on the actual T-shirt. <laughs> Touch as well. Well, to be fair, if beer doesn't prove his breath, then good for you, Al. But. Yeah, breath must be really bad if beer makes it better. Uh, but the fact he just spits it out into a nearby trophy is... Uh... <laughs> it's, well, it's, uh, assuming he's, he's his own trophy. Yeah, and you notice those trophies, we have never seen most of those before. Maybe because Peggy won't let him um, put them in display in the house. Well, that's what we assume. That's sort of like me. All my trophies are in a big carton in the, uh, in the garage because there's nowhere to put them inside. Oh. <laughs> you need a man cave. You need a man cave, I know. And once one of my freelading sons leaves, I'll be able to do that. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, well, once they become, you know, bachelors like me, Steve, you will be able to do that. Uh, I mean, I don't have any trophies, but I'm just looking up, up ahead of me. I've got all of my uh, Comic-Con Supernova po- um, pictures framed. I need to get the latest one framed to put on the wall. Uh, yeah, I've got um, my degrees behind me. I've got another certificate on my desk. Your Funko Pops? Oh, they're in the living room, including um, that um, ones that will not move even when I do get a girlfriend and she moves in. The married children ones are not moving. Well, right now I'm sitting in the extra room, which is actually my son has set up as a recording studio, so technically it should be my man cave. Until he gets his backside out of here, it's a recording studio. How old is he? Um, how old is he, Steve? Um, he's twenty-six. Well, okay, so this might deflate your bubble, but I didn't leave home until I was twenty-eight. I was twenty-eight as well. I was twenty-seven when I left home, but he has left home. This is the thing—he still comes back to do his music, so he has actually left home. So he's moved out, but just cut. how often is he back? Oh, nearly every six second day, I think. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, where where Al's living, he can't have the kids. Or, or pets, and, and Bud and Kelly fall in there somewhere. Exactly. Uh, and uh, Peggy's got some little. Well, she just she misses the little shoe store stories. You know, the kids and I kind of miss your little shoe stories. <laughs> well, there uh, <laughs> was this woman who came in the store today, tried on every black high heel we had in stock, and then told us she was just browsing. So just as she was leaving. Someone plugged her right in the ass with a seven triple E clog. Don't know who. 
someone who could rifle a football 40 yards downfield, I'll bet. Could be! Oh, that was sad. Like, that was sweet. <laughs> because she has ne never liked it. She's so I mean, man, a lot of couples, you know, um, they'll venture... I know from my own experiences with, with my friends that they'll often, you know, vent to each other about work to the point where it's like, enough already! Yeah, but once they stop... Yeah. But there's a nice moment there where, when Peg says that... Um, the kids and I miss your shoe stories. And she's, she and Al are looking at each other. Aww. And then Al's like, okay, I've got a story for you. He tells one. <laughs> <laughs> but then Peggy says, well, well, Al says, don't know who. And Peg says, someone who could rifle a football 40 yards downfield. That's a callback to part one. So I like that they sort of touched on that a little bit. I do as well, uh... And it's also it's also nice to see, you know, Peggy's got a little gift for Al. Oh, the TV guide. Yes. His very own TV guide. It's got his name right on the label. I must admit, I do miss reading the old TV guides um, here back in the 90s and 2000s. I used to like reading those. Well, it used to be a big thing. You didn't have internet or anything back then. You had the mag at the TV Week and the TV... Oh, something else was another one as well. You used to... Have... Can't wait to get that so you can read some stories and find out exactly what was on TV in the next couple, next week or two. And especially, you know, when t channels were off the air for maintenance and all that. Yeah. Mm. I miss those days. Yeah, I remember, well, I remember. I remember the ABC when I was about eight or nine was off for maintenance at least twice in that period. Mm. I remember when the whistleblower went off, they had a picture of the logo with, on the top of a candle. Oh. Just trying to think of remember that. That was their that was their breakdown slash off the air logo they used when I was about eight or nine. It was the ABC sign on top of a candle with a blue background. Mm. Mm. But the T V guys here back then were at their most popular. This was before pay T V and all that started. So it was just the free to air channels back then, wasn't it? So you only had the three or four or five channels. And you really hung out to find out what shows were on for the next week. Um, that sort of died away. One because all um, pay TV and streaming's come in, but two, everything's on your on your phone anyway to look it up. So you don't really see those. I don't even know if that TV Week magazine exists anymore. Now, plus the TVs themselves do have electronic listings. Oh, of course, of course. Not that yeah. they're valid at the moment, considering um, the programming dedicated to the passing of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. Wall to wall queen. Yes. Just like it was Walter Wall 9-11 21 years ago. Exactly right. Yep. Yeah. I mean, if you watch, if you have Foxtel, for example, you just search for what you're looking for on the app. But if you don't know what you're searching for, <laughs> you just still have to scroll through a lot. Ah, uh, yes. I remember having Foxtel uh, at my mum's house. Uh, came in handy as a teenager. So yeah, Peg's bought our, his own TV guide and says, we have been married for 25 years. Since you were 18, and she was 9. What? Yeah, Peggy, that's messed up. Come on. It's legal in Wanker County. <laughs> yeah, but not in Illinois. <laughs> no, I mean, I know it's a joke about Peg being young, but I, I it could very well be um, a reference to their genuine age difference in real life. Because they, they do have a 9-year age. I thought it was 8 years. Uh, well, he was born in 46 and she was born in 54, so yeah, eight years. Eight, nine, close enough. Yeah, it works for me. But how does that work then if they were dating when he was in the football team? How old was he in the football team? Well, 
I don't know. They Al is two years younger than Ed O'Neill is. And Peg, God knows how old she is. Um, she and Al are supposed to have been in the same year. So they've just aged her up. Yeah. But yeah, his own TV guy. That is love. Yeah. But they had some good times. <laughs> so probably. You know what, Al? I brought you something. See? It has your name right on the label. A. Bundy. You bought me my own TV guy. Uh, well, you know, we have been married for 25 years. <laughs> Since you were 18 and I was uh, nine. Yeah. Boy, we had some good times, didn't we, Peg? Didn't we? Yeah. Haven't given it much thought. <laughs> Probably. I don't know. 25 years is a long time to be married, right, Steve? That's right, right. Yep, that's right. Sure is. And we don't all make it. I've got lots of friends along the way that haven't made it. <laughs> yeah, they split up and move on. Thinking of my own friends, I mean, mm. two of my friends have got divorced in the last two years. Yep. Crazy. I've been, I've been to one person's th- third wedding. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I've never been to any friends' second weddings. Uh, thinking about it, uh, well, one of my friends is, is celebrating her fourth anniversary in November. Another friend is celebrating her fourth anniversary in December. And on Christmas Day this year, one of my friends' um, parents, parents uh, they're celebrating their, their 30th on Christmas Day. Hmm. Hmm. And my parents have just, they're into their 41st year now, so that's... Nice. Yeah. Nice, yes. So Al's going to give Peggy a ride home. I was just thinking that. I said, she looks so good there. Not, why didn't you just stay where they were on the waterbed? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, on the divided waterbed. <laughs> or maybe maybe the smell is, is still bad and, and the yeah, lake is still maybe. there and there's still debris from the ceiling. <laughs> um, I guess they wanted this, this car metaphor at the end. Yes. Yes! So they're on Maple Lane. It's the Maple Tree on Maple Lane where they parked the very first time. They ever had a fight. Well, Peg, here we are. Here we are where? Come on, Peg. Don't you remember Maple Lane? And the maple tree on Maple Lane. Oh, Al. This is where we parked the very first time we... Yep. (laughs) The first time we ever had a fight. (laughs) I don't remember much about the fight, but I sure do remember making up. Oh... Oh, well. And it also means the very first time they ever made up. Yeah. And now they're going to have their biggest makeup ever. Because they're built to last. And then the car collapsed. Will we have our biggest makeup ever? You got that right, babe. Just like this car. We're built to last. <laughs> What did you think of that? Okay, so the car collapsing or the ending in general to the whole thing? Well, the car collapsing, it's like just like this car we built to last. I mean, yes, they are. But then the car collapsed. Well, not, not entirely unexpected, considering Al's Dodge has already technically died before and, and numerous problems, including no left turns, no petrol, no brake <laughs> lights, uh, no proper radio. So this isn't entirely unexpected, considering how much of a banger Al's Dodge is, how, cl- how much of a clapped out banger it is. I know we buried the car not long ago, but is this the same car? I can't remember. Or is it a different car? Uh, let me just jump forward. 
yes, it, it, it is red, and it's got yeah. the number plate 61 CMS2. Yep. So we assume it's the same girl. Yeah. It, it's looking a bit dirty. Must have been buried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was only just dug up not, not long ago. Uh, so, yeah, considering that most cars don't get resurrected like that, my, my old master certainly wasn't, as you know. The kangaroo. Yes, <laughs> that was uh, a year ago in December. That's gone pretty quick, actually. Uh, I was just going to say, my current car, Kelly Epona, I actually clocked over the 20,000 kilometres yesterday. That's a lot, and just not even a year. You didn't fall asleep and it rolled out of the driveway. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, well, unlike Al's car, you have to actually it has to be turned on for me to knock it out of, out of park. So that could never happen in my car. So that's, that is how the episode and this three-parter ends. I just want to quickly say, okay, so while Merity Children deserved a better ending than it got, uh, I will say, while this, while I'm glad this wasn't the ending, this would have been a better ending than either How to Marry a Moron Part 2 or Chicago Shoe Exchange. So this would have been a bef- better than either of those, but it still deserved a real ending. Um. Yeah, we'll touch on that in our reviews in a sec. No, ma'am, we'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. And we're back. So, Matt. Yes? How many phlegm brulees are you going to give this episode out of five? Okay, so, uh, decent, decent con- conclusion. It's a nice, funny joke, especially the whole, um, bit where Bud literally, um, does an owl to Bruce, much like Al does to Kelly's boyfriends. That really did it. That was one of my favorites in the whole trilogy, that scene. Uh, the dinner party with Peggy's epic fail of cooking, Bruce being this really nasty villain in the end, that nice twist. The montage wore my heart, not just for the previous episode clips, but also, you know, the music was fitting, the way it cut t- the edited it into back at Al's lonely, dismal apartment. Uh, yeah, so uh, dare I say, this is probably my favourite of all three of them. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go three and a half. You go, Palooza sales. Cream brulee. Cream brulee. Sorry, uh, I was thinking back to that that one. Sorry, uh, for, for three and a half flem brulees. You can sell a Yugo if you want to. Uh, I'll be right, thank you. I'm, I like to be an honest salesman, and I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to push too many of those. Great. Okay, so, Steve, how many phlegm brulees are you going to give this episode out of five? All right. Well, I'm also giving 3.5 phlegm brulees, and I thought 3.5... I think I've given 3.5 for all three of them, actually, but uh, this one, I think, was the one was probably a bit better than the other two. The first one with the boxing and all that was okay, but the second one where they were going out dating and all that, that didn't really work for me that much, but it was all right. But this one sort of wrapped it up nice. It, it went where you wanted it to go. I mean, you you knew all along they were going to get back together at some stage, and they had that nice moment where, yeah, where we talked earlier 
that, that Al wasn't really himself and you could tell he was he was missing Peg and wanted everything to get back the way it was. So that was nice, but he didn't get too cheesy with it. I think if they got too cheesy with it, then you're, you're going to be a full house sort of thing. We don't want to do that. Um, so they, they had a bit of a, a little bit of emotion in it without going too far. Um, they got back together again, which is the main thing. Um, overall, I didn't mind the whole trilogy. It could have been a bit shorter, but overall, I quite enjoyed it. Um, this one, it was pretty good. I got a, I got a couple of belly laughs out of this one, in particular, especially when 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 Bud was bit beating Bruce up. That was pretty good. I had a good laugh at that. And of course, the, the little bit with um, Jefferson, the Heimlich maneuver. That was good old Jefferson stuff. When when Jefferson has a little bit of a, a thing to do, he always does a good job of it. And makes it really gives you a belly laugh. And just that bit with the cigar. That was one good belly laugh I got out of it. So. Look, I enjoyed it. Um, I'll give it 3.5. Um, it's, I, I, like Matt said, I, I wouldn't have... Um, and like I said earlier, I wouldn't have finished the series or the whole the uh, the whole, um, the whole series of Married Children with this this story. But um, I, like I said earlier, I think it was a story they had to do at some stage. But I'm glad it was before the end. But overall, not too bad. I said it was okay. 3.5 from me. Very good. Nice. Well said. Very good. Well... As for myself, I might drive my Yugo over and sell... No, I would give... I think I'll give three flam brulees for this episode. And I'll tell you why. Because in part two, I gave two and a half. And I feel this is a, a better episode on the whole. Um, what stops me from rating it higher is is the idea in general, I suppose. Um, the idea of Alan Peck splitting up, I feels like something obvious and something they had to do i'm i'm not entirely sure what what else they could have done with it but i i still f- left me wanting more so whether they went full out um you know just little things you know with the either making more of a montage or just making more of alan peg being together or you know even if they showed a, a flashback even or something like that just to I don't, I don't know i think it's the season 11 writers and producers Actually, I'll rephrase that. I wish maybe the old producers and writers had attempted this storyline. It, it still it still works for what it is. I like the episode. There's not a lot in it, and that's not a bad thing. There's no B-plot that gets in the way. However, there is a nice tie-in with the boxing in part one, and you think Kelly's going to revisit that in part three. But then they switch it, they flip it up, and then it's Bud who does the beating up. And I thought that was kind of a sweet moment because that shows he's taking after Al. Like now that he's grown up, he's 22 at this point or 21. And he's now becoming, he's taking on Al's characteristics. So he's got, even though he's five foot three, he's got the ability to beat up this guy who insults his mother and kick him out of the house, just like Al would. So I liked that. And like you, Steve, I I like the Jefferson Heimlich maneuver scene. Again, just out and out comedy. Lucky he was very cute. The show is a literal cartoon at this point, so you've got cartoonish elements lined up with this sort of sweet storyline, or, or bittersweet almost. But it's it's actually it's not bittersweet because we know Alan Peck are going to get back together, and if they hadn't, I would have started a riot. It's nice that it's just the two of them for the last couple of scenes. Um, whether or not they made more of that, I don't know, but it's nice just to have it simplified with just Al and Peg together and, you know, they always work so beautifully together and, um, it makes me 
sad because they've been married this long and they have a storyline like this and it feels to me like the show is wrapping up and that means our podcast is wrapping up that's an added bit of sadness but in terms of the show i mean the show is starting to wrap up there's still episodes to go so i think perhaps maybe they could have saved this for the very last the very last storyline of the series of the whole series i'm not sure but then they had one more episode to do something crazy you know maybe if they had planned it so this could have worked as a finale i don't know if it needed to be three parts could have been a very strong two-parter but for what it is i i actually i i think i like part three out of all the three parts the best is it my favorite episode of season 11 probably not but i enjoy it uh, especially for the the alan peg stuff so i will give it a solid three phlegm brulees well said, Anna. Well said. Thank you. I'm just winging it. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Steve, that, that kind of wraps things up for us uh, this week and indeed perhaps for the for the remainder of the series, especially for the, the three of us being together. So, uh, Steve, I want to thank you for being a, a special guest on all Season 8, Season 9, Season 10 and, and now just guesting at least once a season with us. It's been a great addition to the podcast. Um, very entertaining, very knowledgeable. You're such a fun guy. Um, is there anything you want to say if you don't get a chance to say anything in the in the wrap-up show? Well, yeah, I suppose first things first, make sure you polish off the rest of the VBs here in the Australian Jiggly Room before we wrap up completely, so make sure the rest of them are gone. Um, I've had a great time doing this because, like I said, I've been watching the show oh, since 1992 was when I first watched it, and I've watched it every year since. Um, so it's really, really good to get on with. You, you don't realise that there's other people around the world that like the same stuff that you like, and it's always good, good to get together with people. And the, the great thing about the internet is you can do that now and, and catch up with people that love the same stuff you love. And it's been great to get on board with you guys. The, the, the effort of the team since the original guys that left us has been absolutely fantastic. So I dip my lid to all of you guys for putting this together and making it what it is and to carry it on right through to the end. I'm sure it's not over yet. I'm sure you're going to come up with some great ideas and some great stuff to continue on beyond the last episode. So maybe it's adieu and not goodbye. Maybe if something comes on down the track and you get a couple of guests on down, I'm more than happy to jump on. It's been sens sensational. Um, starts to make me feel a bit old too because only yeah I said I, I turned 30 in a couple of months but I also turned 60 in that same month so I'm pretty certain I might even be the oldest one on this podcast I don't know if there's anybody older than me but um, it's really really good and it's good to make friends over online and all that sort of thing as well but just great to go over this fantastic show which I'll probably due to start watching again usually towards the end of the year I usually put it on and get, go from start to finish again so I'll do that but no, thanks to you, Annabelle and the Matt, for having me on board and, and, and getting me part, as part of the team. I've really, really enjoyed it. Um, keep up the good work yourselves, especially with some of the things you've got coming up with the interviews and all those sort of things. So um, no, really, really happy to be involved. And I hope to talk to you all again one day soon. Oh, well, thank you, Steve. That's very nice. So it's, it's not goodbye. It's, it's smell you later. <laughs> smell you later. <laughs> yes, yeah, smell you later. The quote uh, Gary from Pokemon, amongst many others. Uh, yes, thank you, Steve. Uh, the biggest married to children fan in New South Wales. Well, thank you. They probably would be too. Yep. Much like Chris, <laughs> much like Chris Nolan, this is the biggest in Victoria. 
Well, there must be one in each state. There must be someone in each state who's got to find them. I was going to say, um, if, if you're the biggest fan in Queensland, the Northern Territory, the Australian Capital Territory, or Tasmania, please let us know. Yes, please do. The internet is a wonderful thing. Yes. Indeed. I know married children has been screened at all states and territories. So come out. Come on. So, yes, thank you all for, for listening and thank you for joining us once again. Um, we hope to see you again, Steve, and we hope, yeah, we hope to talk again anyway. Um, but, yeah, stay tuned for next week because there are still some episodes of Season 11 left. And next week, the Murder Children podcast will be reviewing Live Nude Peg. When Peggy, jealous that Al is spending all his time at the Jiggly Room, decides to try out on Amateur Night while Al and the No Man boys judge it. She wins the competition dressed as a harem girl named Jasmine, wearing a veil over her face. Al is turned on like never before, and he and Peggy have their best sex ever. (laughs) And that's where the description ends. So yes, thank you again, and we will see you sometime in the future. And remember... Whoa, Bundy! Whoa, Bundy! Whoa, Bundy.